Well, turn your Bible to John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture, and Freddie read some of it to us a little bit ago. You heard the phrase, I am the vine, ye are the branches. So, this morning, I want you to picture with me, instead of just sitting in a pew in a church service this morning, that we are out in a vineyard somewhere, you see the big vines growing up, and then out from those branches coming off, and you've got grapes growing on those vines. I love fresh grapes. I don't know about you, uh, but I sure enjoy good, fresh grapes. And we're going to learn some things about vines this morning, and about branches this morning, and about fruit this morning. And I hope that you'll listen and think with me. Because the reality is, folks, when Jesus was speaking this, He was speaking to a lot of people that lived in an area where lots of grapes were grown, where lots of farms were, were being planted and things were growing. And we don't live around that, that very much in the middle of Houston, do we? And uh, we have, maybe some of you have some flowers growing. Maybe a few of you have a fruit tree in your yard. I know when I was a boy, we planted a grapefruit tree in our yard. And I remember that thing growing and going out in our frigid Houston winters to put a blanket over it, and put a light underneath it to keep it warm so that tree wouldn't freeze. And let me tell you, when that thing got big, oh, it had the best grapefruit. And uh, we used to get buckets and buckets of grapefruit off that tree. And it was great. You could go out in the morning, pick yourself a fresh grapefruit. And even if you don't like grapefruit, you probably don't like them because you've probably never had one right off the tree. Let me tell you, they're sweet and good and juicy right off the tree and fresh. So I know a little tiny bit about what it means to grow fruit. And maybe some of you are kind of like me. You know a little tiny bit. But this illustration that Jesus gives us this morning, he claims to be this vine. He says, I am the vine. And as we think about this passage of Scripture this morning, we will see this. God wants us to be fruitful. That's what He wants from us. He wants us to bear fruit. And this idea of bearing fruit is going to help us to understand what He means as we bear fruit spiritually and what bearing spiritual fruit is. And as we think about this, it's so important to understand where Jesus is coming from. Because again, our concept of fruit is that we go to Kroger or H-E-B and pick it up off the shelf. But as you know, that's not where fruit comes from, okay? might be where you get it from, but that's not where it actually comes from. It grows on some sort of plant or tree or vine. You know, the Bible is full of references to bringing forth fruit or being fruitful. In fact, you can go clear back to the very first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, and in the very first chapter of the book of Genesis, we have a command to be fruitful. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, the Bible says, And God blessed them. He was speaking about Adam and Eve. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over everything that moveth upon the earth. And then, now in John chapter 15, we're going to read where Jesus says, I am the true vine. And he says, my father is the husbandman. So think about the different people. Or Jesus says, I'm the vine, my father. Who's that? That's God the father. He says, he's the husbandman. What's a husbandman? That's the farmer. That's the caretaker. That's the person that is planting and watering and weeding and providing for that 
plant. And then later on, we'll read how we are the branches, okay? And that's very important. We've got to establish these very simple things up front because the reality is there are a lot of people around that sometimes think they're the vine. You're not the vine. Jesus is the vine. You are the branches. And there are people in, in our world today, probably some of you are like this. You try to be everybody else's vine, right? You try to support everybody around you and take care of everyone around you and provide for everyone around you. But ultimately, you are not the vine. You are not the one where the plant gets its source of energy. You are, and I am, a branch, okay? And it's important that we understand our place, isn't it? Because if we don't understand our proper place, we won't be able to do our proper function. We won't be able to do what we were made to do. Because if we're trying to be a vine, and we're not a very good vine, then we're going to end up failing, right? And I don't think any of us wants to come into life and say, yes, that's what I want to be, is a failure. Sometimes we look to all kinds of different things to be our vine, right? Jesus says very clearly in verse 1, I am the true vine. But where are you looking for for your vine? Right? Some people say, well, my spouse is my vine. I mean, she or he is the one that just takes care of me and does everything for me. And I, Well, I'm thankful for my spouse and she does a lot for me. She can't be my hope for eternal life. She doesn't give me everything I need. Everything I need comes from God. Comes from God. My career cannot be my vine. Some people, all their hope is in their career, their job, what they're working, what they're doing, their measure of success as they compare themselves with other people in the world. Your career is not a very good vine. You just might walk into work one day and not have a job. And then what are you going to do? See, a branch has to be attached to the right vine. Because if you're attached to the wrong vine, you're going to end up in the wrong place. And I think some of this, folks, comes from a very simple place. We have a wrong concept about life. Many people have the wrong view of what is important in life. I think there's two errors regarding the purpose of life that a lot of people struggle with. Here's the first one. Some people would say, well, the goal of life or the purpose of life is to be successful. That's not ultimately what the Bible's teaching about life, that you have to be successful, at least in the sense of earning a lot of money or having a lot of things or being successful. Other people say, no, no, it's not about success. I mean, that's just evil capitalism, right? They would say, no, the purpose of life is to be comfortable. I just want to be comfortable. I mean, who made these pews anyway, you know, like... We just want to be comfortable. Can they turn the air down a degree or up to? I mean, I'm cold, I'm hot, right? We live a lot of our life just trying to be comfortable. And while it's not wrong to be comfortable, please don't misunderstand me. It's not wrong to be successful. Don't misunderstand me. But that's not the purpose of life. In John chapter 15, and we're going to get into it and read it this morning. I'm just trying to give you a little introduction. But in John chapter 15... Jesus is going to very clearly say to us that the purpose of our life is that we be fruitful, that we bear fruit. And in fact, Jesus doesn't want you just to bear fruit. The Bible says He wants you to bear much fruit. He wants you to bring forth a lot of fruit. You, he wants you to be very fruitful. 
But this morning, I want you to come along with me in this passage, and I want you to take some time to examine your own life. Examine it in light of God's Word, of what it says. I'm not here to examine your life. I'm not going to put your life on trial, but let God put your life on trial. And before God this morning, I want you to say, God, based on your word, am I fruitful? I'm supposed to be fruitful, and I think you'll see that in a few minutes. But then ask yourself the question, am I really fruitful like God wants me to be? And I think if we would all come this morning with that attitude... And we'd all leave from here having thought through that in our own heart and examined our own heart and then not just do the examination but make the necessary adjustments, make the necessary changes, follow and obey what God tells us to do. I'm telling you, this could be the greatest Sunday of your life. But it's so important that we examine God's Word and then we follow it. Think about this. If my purpose is to be successful, then... Jesus was not very successful, was he? I mean, he was homeless. The Bible says he didn't have a place to lay his head. You say, well, wait a minute. I don't think that's what I want to be. I don't think any of us would choose to be that. Jesus was poor. Jesus, he had no wife. He never got married. He had lots of opposition. He wasn't successful by some people's definition of success. And he wasn't comfortable by anybody's definition of comfort. You say, wait a minute. I I thought church was supposed to talk about good things. Well, it is good things. But we've got to understand that good is a relative term when we use it from our perspective, right? God says He's going to work all things together for good. But that's not good according to your perspective. That's good according to His perspective. And here's where the rubber meets the road for us because at the end of life or during our life, at some point, hopefully for you, if it's not been before today, it'll be today that you'll say, you know, I've lived my life according to what I thought was good, but I need to start living my life according to what God says is good. Because ultimately, he's the one I need to please, and nobody else. So let's look at this passage of Scripture this morning. As we read through this, I think you're going to see four different kinds of people. And I want you to see which kind of person you identify with this morning. And depending on what kind of person you are, the Bible's going to tell you what kind of person you should become. Begin reading in verse 1, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Did you hear that? 
what Jesus himself said. This is not me making it up. This is what Jesus said. If you have a Bible that highlights the words of Christ in red, this is in red in your Bible this morning. Jesus said, For without me ye can do nothing. But you might be sitting here this morning and say, Well, I've lived life without Jesus and I've done a lot of stuff. Hmm. So what Jesus is in essence saying, all that stuff that you've done in the eyes of God, it's a zero. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Because I like to think that I do good things. And so do you, right? I like to think that I'm contributing something to this world and to my family and to this life and to myself. And yet Jesus says, if you do things apart from me, you are doing nothing. Nothing. You say, you're not leaving us in a very good place this morning. Good, because I'm not leaving you yet. Okay, we, we still got a little ways to go here this morning. Look at verse 6, though. Because this is where we're going to see one of these kinds of people here. He says, if a man abide not in me. So he's talking about a certain kind of person. A person that does not abide in him. You see that, verse 6? If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Here's the first kind of person that we're going to look at this morning briefly. It's the unbeliever. It's the person that does not abide in Jesus. So if Jesus is the vine, if He's the source of our strength and our nourishment and our provision in life, our direction, He's the one that holds us up, gives us strength and purpose, the Bible says if you don't abide in Him, if you're not in Him, if you're not connected to Him, then you are cast away, you are burned. You might be sitting there this morning saying, are you saying what you think I'm saying? And I would say, yes, I'm saying what you think I'm saying. He says, you will be burned if you are not in Christ. You say, that sounds very harsh and very rude. Wait a minute. If he's the vine and we're the branches and the purpose is going to bring forth fruit, if you have a tree in your yard and it has a dead branch, what do you do with that branch? Are you being mean to that tree when you cut off the branch? No, you're taking care of the tree. And the purpose, remember, is to bring forth more fruit. So when a gardener or the husbandman cuts off the tree, it's not because he hates the tree or because he hates branches. It's because he loves the tree. And he loves the branches and he wants the tree to bring forth more fruit. He wants the tree to bring forth more fruit. But maybe you're here this morning and you are not abiding in Christ. In other words... You have never connected yourself with Christ. He's never connected himself with you. Let me tell you, if that's you this morning and you're not connected to Christ, it's not because he doesn't want to connect to you. The Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in our place, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. He doesn't want you to burn, but have everlasting life. But folks, the everlasting life only comes to those who are in Christ. And if you're not in Christ this morning, 
your hope is only in Christ. But if you're not in Him, you don't have hope until you get in Christ. You say, well, how do I get in Christ? Well, Jesus is very clear in His, in his Word. And there was a man that asked that same question. He was a jailer. And he took care of the jail in the city called Philippi. This is a city you can still go visit today. And this man was in charge of taking care of all the prisoners. And one night, he had two prisoners in his jail. And he was responsible to make sure they stayed locked up and they didn't get away and everything. And those men that night, these were two men that followed Jesus. And that night, even though they were locked up in chains and and their life was not very good from a human perspective, they sang praises to God all night in that prison. And very late in the night, all of a sudden there was a big earthquake and the walls shook and all the prisoners' chains fell off and, and the jailer came running in thinking that all the prisoners had escaped. And the men said to him, don't be afraid, we're all here. And he looked at those men and he said, what must I do to be saved? Yeah. And the answer was very simple. Paul said this, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. See, salvation is a free gift. It's offered to all. You don't have to work hard to do it. You don't have to become a better person to get it. It's something that you receive like a gift. When my children come downstairs on Christmas morning, I don't say, oh, go clean your room and then we can open these presents. No, why? Because they're gifts. They're gifts. This is an unconditional gift. You don't have to work to earn it. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to go back and pay it off like layaway you know, afterwards. No, this is something you, you can receive and take through belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what it means to believe on Jesus. Believing on Jesus means I confess my sin, I forsake it, I tell God I'm sorry for my sin and I put my trust in Him. God, my own way is not good enough, Your way is the only way. Lord, I believe abiding in Christ. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. It's very simple, but that's the first kind of person we see in this passage this morning. I'm going to take these a little bit out of order because I wanted to start here with the unbeliever because this is the one that's not even a branch connected in the first place. And if, you, if that's you this morning, I want you to know Jesus loves you. It's not His desire that any should perish, the Bible says but that all should come to repentance. But if you would come to repentance, you must come through the way of Jesus. Jesus said in the previous chapter here in John, John chapter 14, He says, I am the way. The truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. So if you're an unbeliever this morning, Jesus is your hope. Jesus is your answer. Jesus is the only way. Will you put your trust in Him this morning and abide in Him? So that's the first person. Let's look at the second person now. Look back at John chapter 15. I want you to notice in the very first part of verse 2, the Bible says this, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh 
away. Now, this branch is different from the branch in verse 6. Did you notice? Because the branch in verse 6 is the branch that does not abide in me, he is cast forth. In verse 2, this is a branch that is in me. Right? Did you see that? He says, this is a branch that's in me that's not bearing fruit. Have you ever seen a tree that's a fruit-bearing tree? Or maybe you had a plant or a vine like grapevine or something like that, and you had a part of that plant that was alive, but it wasn't fruitful? What do you do with those branches that are unfruitful branches? They may be alive, but they're unfruitful. So there are different views on who this person is. Some people would say, well, that means if you don't do enough good stuff, even if you're a Christian, you'll be cut off and you'll no longer be a Christian. Well, folks, to take that interpretation would fly in the face of so much other Scripture and God's Word never contradicts itself. That's not what it's saying. It's not what it's saying. I brought my pruning shears this morning or my hedge trimmers this morning. So we kind of think about this. Try not to cut my shirt off or anything. It could be bad. Poke myself in the eye. But just to visualize this a bit. See, if a branch is there and the branch is not bearing fruit, what needs to be done with the branch? Well, in some cases, maybe the branch has been beaten down. Maybe it got hit by a storm. Maybe it can be revived and restored and it just needs to be propped up and lifted up. But he also says here, this is a branch that he taketh away. In verse number 2, Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. I think that can happen to believers. doesn't mean they lose their salvation, but maybe God disciplines them. He removes them from their place of influence. Because remember, His purpose is that we would bear fruit. Again, I want you to examine yourself in light of Scripture and say, am I really bearing spiritual fruit in my life? The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. These, this is the fruit of the Spirit. When I look at my life, is my life marked by these characteristics of love? Am I a joyful person or has everything got me down? You see, if you don't have any joy, maybe it's because you're not abiding in Christ as you should. Maybe you've let the things of the world beat you down and distract you and discourage you. Maybe it's your own situation, your own health, or your own financial struggle, or just the way people treat you, and you just say, I just don't think I can be useful. Listen, God can help you. He can encourage you. He can strengthen you. And it's interesting, as I was studying out this little phrase, that, that word there at the end that's translated in our, in our English Bible, taketh away. This is different than what he's talking about in verse 6 when he says that it will be cast forth. So cast forth is a dead branch that casts it off and they get rid of it. Taketh away can have the idea of like if you had a tomato plant, there was a big storm, and the tomato plant branches are laying on the ground, what would you do? You'd come up and you'd tie those branches up and you'd lift them up and you'd give some strength to those branches. Why? Because a branch isn't going to bear good fruit when it's laying on the ground. So it gets picked up and gets some strength, and then it's able to bear some fruit. So maybe you're this second type of branch. You're the unhealthy 
believer. The unhealthy believer. See, if you're unhealthy in your walk with God this morning, you can't bear fruit as you should. You for sure won't bear much fruit. You're unhealthy. What are some things that cause spiritual unhealthiness? Well, it's, it's wonderful because the Bible gives us so many physical illustrations to parallel our spiritual struggles, right? Spirit, physically speaking, some things that make us unhealthy. Not eating enough, right? If you don't get enough food, you're starving. You're not healthy. Spiritually speaking, how do we get enough food? Get in the bread of life. Spend time in the Word of God. You don't drink enough water, you get dehydrated. You need the water of the Word. You need your mouth and your lips covered in that fresh water of God's Word, spiritually speaking. Well, what are some other things that make us unhealthy? Well, sometimes it's struggle in our life, isn't it? Someone comes along and they hurt us physically badly. We can be hurt spiritually too, can't we? A lot of people walk around hurt spiritually. People say, well, I won't ever go back to church because those people, I was hurt in church. And folks, if that's your reality today, I'm sorry. That's a sad thing. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. God wants us to be in church. The Bible is clear about it, right? And just because you got hurt in another church doesn't mean you should just quit on church altogether. Because God says you need to be in church. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's why we get together this morning. You know what? It's encouraging to see your smiling faces this morning. Most of you are smiling. All of a sudden, everybody start going, it's me, I, I promise, I'm smiling, I'm happy, it's okay. It's encouraging that you're here this morning. In a little bit, we'll go eat some lunch together. That's a special time, isn't it? But there are all kinds of things that get in the way of spiritual health, aren't there? Spiritual health. Some of you may be starving yourself spiritually. And if you are, you're not bringing forth fruit. Some of you are not in the Word of God. Some of you are not in prayer. Some of you are not spending time with God. Some of you are not growing in faithfulness and obedience. You're living in sin and wickedness. You may be trusting in Jesus as your Savior. I don't know. That's between you and God. But if you're spiritually unhealthy, you're not bearing forth fruit. And God says He may just take that branch away. He may just take that branch away. Why? Because He wants for there to be fruit. Fruit is wonderful, isn't it? I love to eat fruit. I love to eat all kinds of fruit. I was looking in our fruit bowl at home yesterday and we had some fresh plums. You know what it's like when you get a good plum, not one of those sour ones, but the really sweet, good plums and you bite into that thing and you're just trying to catch all the juice because it's going everywhere. Oh, it's so good. Fresh grapes. Oh, fresh peaches. Oh, now I'm really going to get you hungry. Peach ice cream, how about that? All of us like our fruit and ice cream, I think. Good stuff. We love fruit. Fruit's sweet. Fruit's good. And here's an interesting thing about fruit. Think about it. When a tree brings forth fruit, is the tree just bearing fruit to take care of itself? Or does the fruit nourish other people? It, it feeds a lot of people, doesn't it? When you plant a plant in the ground, maybe it's a tomato plant, 
Maybe it's just a, a, a stalk of wheat or some corn. It grows and it produces far more than enough to replenish itself, right? One apple seed will grow a whole other apple tree, but a, but a good apple tree will grow hundreds and thousands and thousands of apples, and it'll feed all kinds of people and be able to make it so lots of trees can be planted. Isn't that interesting to think about? It's God's desire for us that we bring forth fruit. That brings us to the third person there. You see it at the end of verse 2. He says, Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Purging. Pruning. That's why I brought these this morning. Pruning. Keep reading verse 3. He says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Do you know what he's talking about here? Have you ever seen a branch growing on a tree? Maybe it's in springtime and all of a sudden all these smaller little shoots come out of the side of the branch. Some people call those suckers. What do you do to make that branch healthy? You come and you break those off. You clean those off. You get a branch growing that's not a good branch. You come in and you snip it off so this branch can be clean. Why? Because a clean branch brings forth more fruit. And how does verse 3 say we are clean? He says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So how does God clean us? Through His word. Through His word. And folks, if you're not in the word of God, if you're not spending time learning from God's word, how can you be spiritually clean? You say, but that's work. Listen, you talk to my three-year-old, it's work to take a bath. <laughs> you say, how do you get over that? You keep doing it, even though you don't always feel like it. Right? And it becomes a habit. And most of you this morning didn't think twice about hopping in the shower. Maybe some of you did that last night. You, you don't think about that. It's just what you do. And... and for some of you, it may get more difficult over time. I know my son had a, had a broken spot behind his knee a couple years ago. It was a big chore for him to get clean because he had a broken leg. Maybe some of you have had physical difficulties that make it hard to get in and out. But you still want to, don't you? Because you know what it's like when you feel gross and dirty and you're like, I, I need to get cleaned up. Spiritually speaking, isn't it crazy that people would walk around without the Word of God cleaning them up spiritually. And, and it's like they're oblivious to the fact that they're not clean. Now, if someone did that with their natural physical body, we would say, that person has a mental disorder, right? What's wrong with that person? Why don't they ever clean up? You can smell them. You can see them. They just look dirty and filthy. And maybe your heart goes out to somebody like that and you're like, how can I help that person? What, what do they need? Do they not have access to soap and, and, a, and a place to get clean? Or, or do they just not understand the problem? I know what it's like. I had a roommate that didn't like to take showers. And this was a college roommate. I remember asking him one day because it smelled really bad in the room. I said, when was the last time you had a shower? I think in the video they said I get right to the point. So I guess I was getting right to the point with him, but it smelled badly. I said, when are you going to take a When's the last time you took a shower? He goes, I don't remember. I said, it's probably time. 
If you can't remember when the last time was, it's time. One day, and this is not a lie, this is the truth. I came back to my room one day, and this guy also worked grounds crews. So he was mowing and working outside all the time. So not only is it the body odor, it's also the exhaust from the machines and everything. I like to work in the yard. I like to mow my grass. My neighbors are here this morning. They like to mow their grass. They get a lot of grass and work with the weed ear. And sure, I love to do all that stuff. But when you come inside, it's time to clean up and wash your clothes and, and get straightened up. But not this guy. He's like, well... I don't want to have to do so much laundry. I'll just wear the same clothes every day. So one day I came to my room. It smelled so bad. I took all of his stuff. It was all laying on his bed, so he's sleeping in this. I wrapped it all up in his sheets. I opened the window, and I just threw it out the back window. And he came back in the room. He said, where's all my clothes? I said, they're outside. And don't bring them back in here until you go wash them. They're awful. It stinks. But folks... Isn't that the way some of you or me are when we aren't cleaned up with the Word of God? We're walking around, and spiritually speaking, we are a mess. And we think that we can somehow hide it, and nobody will notice it. That was my roommate. He thought he could, people, well, people won't really notice. Oh, yes, we did. Folks, you can't sneak your sin by for very long. Eventually, everybody will see it. He didn't smell himself. Why? Because he'd been living like that for a long time. But the rest of us sure did. And spiritually speaking, if you're walking around and you're not cleaned up with the Word of God, you're not allowing God's Word to work in you and change you and make you into the kind of person that God wants you to be, you are not clean. You may be forgiven, but you're not clean. Now, we can make light of this a little bit, and I hope that sometimes with humor it helps us to think about it. But folks, this is important, important truth. If you keep reading in verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You can't bear fruit by yourself unless you're in the vine, right? He says, Except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So the goal here, he says, is to bring forth much fruit. That's what he's saying here. He that abideth me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But some people spend a lot of time in their spiritual life with plastic fruit. And let me tell you, plastic fruit looks great from a distance. And some of you, you may look great spiritually from a distance. And let me tell you, I'm preaching to myself this morning. But what would your fruit taste like if we got up close and took a bite? What would my fruit taste like if you came over to my house? If I came to your house? It's nice to have a neutral location here to meet and worship God, isn't it? But some of us, if we really got honest with ourselves and everybody else, we wouldn't want somebody over at our house. And it's not because we didn't have time to do laundry. It's because the way we behave there is very different than the way we behave here. Plastic fruit. Coming on Sunday, got your new dress, got my new suit. I'm ready to go. Everything looks great. I'm clean but I'm not. It's plastic fruit. 
You can do a lot with duct tape and plastic fruit, but when you get up close and take a bite, it doesn't taste good, does it? It doesn't taste good. And spiritually speaking, what's your fruit like this morning? Is it real fruit? Is it abundant fruit? Is it much fruit? Or is it fake fruit? So what does he do? Maybe you're the believer, this third person, a believer in a season of pruning. Maybe you've borne some spiritual fruit in your life. If you, you could look around and say, no, pastor, I have brought forth some fruit. I am serving. I do see the joy of the Lord in my heart. I, I have led somebody to Jesus. I, I am bearing some fruit. Then listen, when you go through a time of pruning in your life, don't reject the pruning. God's just trying to clean you up so that you can bear even more fruit. Pruning is sometimes painful, isn't it? But pruning is never harmful to the tree. You need to understand the difference between pain and harm. Okay? It, it, something could be painful, but it's not harmful. If you were to take somebody who lived 150 years ago and you put them on a time machine and brought them up to today and then you loaded them up this morning and took them down to the medical center and walked into one of the surgical suites down there and watched them performing surgery on somebody, they might go, oh, you're really hurting this person. And the doctor would say, no, I'm helping this person. But you've cut them open. Yes, but we're going to sew them back up. But, but you're, you're going to cause all this pain and suffering. Yes, but it's because we want to bring healing to them. Right? Pain does not equal long-term damage, does it? Sometimes the pain is for a purpose to teach us something. Think about this. Think about this with me. If you are running along and all of a sudden you feel a twinge of pain in your knee or your ankle, something happens... That pain is there for a reason, isn't it? It's to tell you, oh, there might be something else going on wrong. I need to check on it. Some of you may have found out about much bigger physical problems because you had a little pain in your stomach or in your chest or and you went and got it checked out and you realized there was a big problem and the doctor said, boy, it's a good thing you felt that because if you didn't get here now, if this had gone on a few more months, it could have been much worse. You see, pain... God can use pain in our life to help to clean us up and to prepare us for something much better. Pruning is painful, but it is profitable. It's profitable. And if your life goal is to be successful or your life goal is to be comfortable, you will hate pruning. It's uncomfortable, and here's maybe a reason why it is for some people. Think about it. If I come along and I prune up this, if I was pruning a hedge... When I'm done, is there less of the hedge or more of the hedge? There's less, right? It's uncomfortable maybe in your life because when God's pruning you, there's less. Maybe there's less money. Maybe there's less of a house that you once had. Maybe it's not as nice of a car anymore. Maybe you've lost some friends. Maybe some people... They used to hang out with you don't anymore because you said, God's more important to me than anything else. And you get pruned and you say, there's less. My son this week went out and pruned up our flowers in our front yard. With all this rain and warm weather that we've had, our flowers have just been going nuts again. They, they were growing so big, we could hardly get down our sidewalk to our front door because they're just filling in. 
So he went along and trimmed them up. But you know, as they grew like that, parts of them started to dry up and not be as clean. Some of them got kind of beaten down and as somebody accidentally stepped on them and all that stuff. And so when he came along and pruned up those flowers, they looked beautiful again. Why? Because he took away the extra stuff, the stuff that wasn't really helping them, the stuff that was getting in the way of other things, and now those flowers have filled in and are thick and rich and full once again. And God may be doing that in your life. Maybe you, you say, I am a believer, but you're going through a time of pruning. Don't reject the pruning in your life because God has it for a purpose. Why? He wants you to bring forth more fruit. More fruit. We see this person here, this person who's a believer, but they're going through a time of pruning. And then we'll see this final person this morning, starting in verse number 7. We already read verse 6 earlier about the unbeliever. We read about the unhealthy believer. We read about the believer who just needs some pruning in their life, and that's probably where a lot of us are. But here's the one we want to become like is this fourth person. Verse 7 says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Let me pause for a moment here. In the storyline of the book of John, did you know as Jesus is speaking these words, it is almost time for him to go lay down his life. He's just about to die on the cross for your sin and my sin and the sin of all those disciples that he was talking to right then. See, Jesus is not asking you to go through something that he didn't first go through himself. And in fact, he took it upon himself far worse than we would ever have to go through. That's what he wanted. He died so you wouldn't have to. He gave up Himself so that you could have eternal life. So that you could be a branch abiding in the vine. He says, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. Jesus says, I want you to be my friend. I'm not just your master that's going to tell you what to do. He says, I want to be your friend. He says, I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father have I known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. Think about that, that, that farmer out there and he's trimming up branches. He says, oh, this is a good branch that's bringing forth fruit. I'm going to clean this one up. Isn't it wonderful that God is actively working in your life? What he's saying here, he, he, he's choosing us so that we would bring forth even more fruit. He's looking for those who are already bringing forth some fruit, those who are abiding in him, and he says, I'm going to clean them up so they'll bring forth even more fruit. He's talking about this believer that's growing healthier and more fruitful as time continues to go on.
He says then in verse number 17, These things I command you, that you love one another. You can't be fruitful unless you abide in the vine. And if I'm a branch, what's my most important priority? It's abiding in the vine, right? So that I can bring forth fruit. So what does that mean, folks? It means the number one relationship in your life should be your relationship with Jesus. The number one. It's more important than your girlfriend. And I know there's some guys in here that would love to have a girlfriend. It's more important than she is. It's more important than your boyfriend. It's more important than your spouse. And your spouse is so important. It's more important than your children. Some of you wonder why you're struggling so much in your relationships. It's because you have them out of order. Jesus isn't the most important relationship in your life. And that's why your other relationships aren't working. If you'd put him first, he could take care of those other relationship problems. It doesn't mean there'll never be any more drama, never any more problems. But see, when your relationship with the one who saved you and made you is right, it makes everything else seem far less important. I like the song. It says this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Folks, I know there are people here this morning that are hurting, people that are struggling, people that have problems. If we go to your house, you come to my house, none of us is perfect here this morning. We're not. But God's desire is for us that we would bring forth fruit and much fruit. And that starts by a personal relationship with Jesus. If you don't have that relationship this morning, and the service is done in a few minutes, I'd love to take God's word and help you understand what that means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing better in all the world. Maybe you say, well, I, I have that relationship, but it's not really a priority in my life. Let me tell you, if it's not, you're missing out on the most wonderful relationship that there could ever be. Because greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. You want to experience love? Get connected to the one that loved you enough that he died for you. Who else in your life died for you? And I know some people have examples. Well, I was on the battlefield and my friend took a bullet for me so that I could live. That's special. But Jesus didn't just take a bullet for you. Jesus gives you eternal life. And there's no person on this world that's lived or ever will live except for Jesus Christ that could ever do that for you. Jesus did what no one else could do because he's God's son. The most important relationship in your life is your relationship with Jesus. God wants to make me healthy, wants to make me fruitful. Think about it. In the world, in the human way of looking at things, Jesus may not have been successful, he may not have been comfortable. But he was definitely fruitful. He was definitely fruitful. And here he's speaking to these people who were followers of him, his disciples. And they went on and they brought forth much fruit. And then from that fruit, more fruit has come and more fruit and more fruit. And you know, the reality is, folks, you and me, 
gathered in church to worship God today, we are descendants of that fruit, aren't we? We're related right back to John 15. Isn't that incredible to think about? You say, well, how do I know if I have a fruitful life? Well, how's your relationship with God? Because you won't bear fruit if your relationship with Him is not right. If it is, your fruit is worth nothing. But if you are abiding in Christ, your relationship with Him is right, and you are growing in that, you will bring forth fruit, and it will be evidenced in your love for others and others around you turning and following God too. They'll see the difference. You're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Let me give you one last thought before we're done this morning. You say, I'm still struggling a little bit with what it means to abide in something. Let me give you something that will probably most all of us be able to relate to. Most of us are carrying around a device that we're very good at abiding in. It's called a cell phone. Did you know Apple with their newest update that just came out, they now have a thing that measures your screen time? And it'll give you a weekly report of how many hours you stared at this little screen. Folks, I got my report this morning. I got to make some adjustments. I'm not always, I'm not abiding in the right stuff. So are you looking at bad things? No. But I'm not abiding in the most important thing. See, to abide in something, it's demonstrated by how we spend our time in something. What we put our energy towards. Listen, some of you might walk out of here today and leave your Bible on the pew and forget it, but you probably wouldn't forget your cell phone. It happened to me the other day. I was getting ready to come back here. I'd been on this trip. And I jump out of the car. Fortunately, I didn't leave my Bible behind, but boy, I didn't forget the cell phone. I was getting on the elevator about to get, and I started doing the, you know, the pocket pat thing, you know. Looked like I'm doing some sort of dance or something there in the terminal, and all of a sudden I realized there's no phone. And I went running back, and it was still sitting in the console of the rental car. And grabbed it, stuck it in my pocket, and thought, Phew, my life has been saved. I didn't lose my cell phone. But we value this little thing so much, don't we? So important to us. Because we abide in it. We abide in it. What are you abiding in this morning? Are you abiding in Christ? Some of you say, well, Pastor, I don't have to worry about the cell phone. Okay, whatever it is. Some of us, I remember, I'm just going to tease him, don't take this negatively, but Billy and I, we were, last year during Hurricane Harvey, he was staying here at the church at the time, this was before he and Lisa were married, and we were at home, and I said, why don't you come over to our house? The hurricane, you know, it's getting bad. He goes, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't remember what it was. Monday afternoon, I get a text from Billy. Pastor, the internet is out. <laughs> the struggle is real. <laughs> I see posts, I'm part of the Facebook groups, the different neighborhoods around here, 
and all of a sudden I'll see the post go up. Anybody else have problems with Xfinity? What's going on with AT&T? My internet's down. I can't get a hold of anybody. Anybody else internet down? It's important to us, isn't it? I'm not saying cancel your internet. I'm not saying you have to go throw your cell phone in the trash. These are just tools, right? But they've become, they just own us sometimes, don't they? And we have no time. Well, I didn't, Pastor, I just don't have time to read my Bible. Well, let me see your iPhone. I'll check your screen report. <laughs> we might find some time. Well, Pastor, I mean, come on, folks. This isn't rocket science. But what it is, it's the bending of our stubborn, prideful wills and trying to say, God, I want to obey you. I want to put you first. I'm going to humble myself. Even if it means putting my own things aside and the stuff that's really important to me. Because, God, I just want to bear fruit. Lord, I want my life to count for something. I don't want it to be a zero. I don't want it to be nothing. And how sad. Think about it. You get to the end of your life. I, I, I get to be around some older people being a pastor. And you know what I find? The older people get, the more they are concerned about their legacy, what they're leaving behind. About their children, their grandchildren what they can pass down, whether it's through their teaching or their finances, how they give, all that stuff. Why? Because the older you get, the more you understand the value of leaving something and mattering, counting for something, right? And some of you, a lot of you are very young this morning. I'm, I'm very young this morning. We have a lot of time left if God will give it to us. I hope that Ten years from now, I can look back and say, I made those last ten years count for the Lord. There's fruit. Some of you may say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I have ten years left. Make today count. Make tomorrow count. Because the reality is, I don't have ten years left. All I have is right now. God hasn't given me ten years. He's given me this moment. He might give me ten years. He might give you 30 years. But you don't know that. All you have is right now. What are you going to do with right now? Don't put off to tomorrow what needs to be done today. You say, I thought that was just a good saying. Well, it is because it's true. And it's not just because procrastination is something that somebody said was bad. It's because we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. So what are you going to do to bear fruit today. It'll only happen if you're abiding in Christ. If you're not, please let me show you this morning how you can have that personal relationship with Jesus. And If you are abiding in Him, but you're not really bearing fruit like you should, maybe God's pruning you, maybe He's doing some work on you, let Him do it and get in His Word. Let Him clean you up. Pruning for you is not just laying back and letting it happen. It's actively getting in God's Word. Say, God, clean me up. I want to be, in, I want to be around Your Word. I want to be helped. And let's let God change us and let's bring forth fruit. Because wouldn't it be great? I mean, think about it. God has blessed our church so much. So many of you are 
very new to our church. I was talking with Joe and Sylvia Palacios this week. This has been one year that they've been in our church. Praise the Lord. And in most churches, somebody that only been there a year, it's like, oh, they're the new people. Not here. They're like way down the list in the sense of the order of people that have come because so many of you have come since a year ago. Praise the Lord. Wouldn't it be great a year from now to say, look, we've been bearing some more fruit. People are already saying, what are we going to do? Are we going to have enough seats? Well, we still do right now, obviously. But by next year, maybe we won't. That'd be great, wouldn't it? God can give chairs. I don't know if you noticed, he gave us a new drop ceiling in the back this week. Not up here, but back there. We didn't pay a dime for that. We didn't do any of the work. It wasn't magic. God just sent some people to do it and to donate the work. Praise the Lord. God will take care of us. But let's go be faithful to him. And let's ask God to work in us that we would bear fruit. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we finish this morning. I know you're probably excited like I am. I'm hungry. I'm ready to get to lunch. But folks, before we run out and go to lunch, remember at the beginning I said we we need to examine ourselves in light of the Word of God. I've done my best to present God's Word to you this morning. But it's up to you to take the exam. It's up to you to do something with it. I can't fix your problems, but God can. But you have to let Him. But I'd love to help you. I'd love to point you to Jesus. You can bow your heads and close your eyes in just a moment. The instrumentalists will play. This is All this is is just to help us focus our hearts and minds. And if God spoke in your heart this morning, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but I need to. Maybe there's somebody like that. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need to trust Jesus this morning, and I'm not. Would you slip up your hand so I can pray for you this morning? Everybody just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. You just, with nobody looking around. All right, I pray for you. Lord, or if there might be somebody here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm going through a pruning time. I'm not as healthy as I need to be spiritually, and I, or I need to be pruned. Pastor, would you pray for me that I'd be faithful and I'd let God do His work in me and that I'd obey Him and do what He tells me to do. If that's you this morning, I can pray for you. There's hands all around. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us to be fruitful. Help us to grow. You're going to do the work in us, but we have to allow it. Lord, there may be somebody here this morning that's been fighting some spiritual change in their life that you're trying to do. God, we know you have all power and all ability to do all things. You can fix problems. You can restore relationships. You can heal the sick. You can do amazing, wonderful things. But God, you've told us in your word that we must obey. That we have to follow you. Lord, for those that are struggling this morning, those that need to grow, those that are maybe being purged or pruned or changed in their life, I pray that you do the work in them. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.